Hello and welcome again to another episode of our program, Develop. It is our absolute honor and privilege to have your company as we continue our exploration in a series that we titled Holiness Movement. And holiness is simply an expression for us to reflect the lifestyle of Christ. It's Christ-likeness. You know how throughout the entire scripture, God invites His uh, followers to be holy, just like God is holy, where Christ is the expression of that holiness. So when we say a life of holiness, we're really talking about a life that resembles the character of Christ on earth. And this is really the goal of Christianity. We are invited to live a life of holiness, to resemble the nature and to live out the calling of God in our lives. And that calling is to be more and more like Christ in our daily endeavor. One day we will be perfectly like Christ and now it's a progressive journey which most theologians call it sanctification. It simply means living out the righteousness that God imputed to our account. He gave it to us for free but now He imparts it to us so we could live it in reality. And we have mentioned several factors that God uses uh, in order to enable us to live that lifestyle. We need God's intervention so we could live like Christ. The intervention through His training, through the cross of Jesus, through the empowerment of the Spirit, uh, through the cleansing of the Word. But then we also need a discipling community and a a discipling journey where there is a discipler and a group of supportive people that enable us to see who we really are on the inside and encourage us to live out that calling of being Christ-like people. And finally, we're going to look at our own lives and what we need to do to live out that calling. But today, we're going to focus on that discipling journey is one of the factors that enable us to live our Christ-like life. And I have been a proponent of these discipling journeys uh, for a long, long time. I've been reading about it, studying it, experimenting with it, researching it, writing about it. And it's uh, all started because my, uh, my father discipled me and significant number of people through small groups that, that, that multiplied in diverse continents and have uh, allowed people to have someone to invest in them so they can invest in others who will uh, in turn invest in others and will see a multiplication of generations of wholeheartedly devoted disciples of Jesus who live like Him in the world. And all of my life, I, I have seen my dad who models, uh, you know, that life of Christ-likeness, warts and all, but he models it with authenticity. He taught it to me and to many other uh, young people and older people, all different generations, all different backgrounds and in, 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 in so many different continents. And then 
he also uh, partnered with me in order to live that out in day-to-day endeavors. Uh, it, re- it reminds me of a time when we first arrived to Australia and that engaged me and a group of young uh, uh, adults, a group of young men uh, in a weekly uh, Bible study so that we can explore how to live the life that brings God honor and glory and develops us so we're not just people that raise their hand up to become Christians but live a, a completely different lifestyle than what the scripture uh, it, you know shows us and displays to us what Christ likeness look like during that period I uh, ran away from the faith for a period of time and I and I you know had a, a soured relationship with my father and and I just lived for my own purposes for a while and uh, by by the time I I, I you know I let, uh, you know began to think about returning back to Christ uh, my dad and my mother had left uh, Australia and uh, went to England and I was living by myself. I had missed out on the opportunity to continue this journey of being discipled. So uh, in, uh, in, in the right time, I decided to go to England and live with my family for, for almost half a year. And I would call, uh, I would knock on my dad's door every day at five o'clock in the morning and we would sit together in the, in the study and he will take me through the similar uh, studies, the Bible studies that I missed out on as a result of you know ignoring this journey and uh, it was just so overwhelming to to get this uh, uh, you know treasures of God's word and specific direction and to seek application obviously because we did a session every day there was no way I could live that out but but my life was beginning to sh- to be shaped by the truth of God's word and a framework that my dad lived and experimented with and, uh, and helped other people to live out uh, th- that discipling lifestyle. Indeed, there were a, a period during these six months where I was so uh, keen on getting all the information as if my maturity will be an outcome of learning a lot. And, uh, and that was, you know, I wasn't uh, as, uh, as worried about the fact that I wasn't able to apply all these uh, treasures, but I was keen to write in my book. And there were so many different little books that I, that, that I took notes of all of my dad's, uh, you know, uh, uh, pearls of wisdom and advice and instructions. And maybe for you, you imagine discipleship and your spiritual growth dependent on learning information, just like I was, uh, you know, um, maybe even deceived to believe by the enemy that if I get all the information right, I'm going to live, uh, I'm going to feel mature. And, and the informations are critical, but they weren't the main thing, right? And some of us maybe view our our idea of being a disciple, it's like a journey with a teacher, whether that's a theological thing, whether that's a Bible study or just listening to preachers, podcasts, whatever. We just want to uh, gather as much information as possible. 
Others of us, you know, say, I don't want this type of structured curriculum, all of that type of, you know, very serious, studious way of studying the Bible. I I just want to be around the fellowship of believers and let it be organic. We sit together, talk about our experiences, you know, sip a cup of coffees and, and just, you know, pray for one another. And for others of us will say, hey, I am an introverted person. I have been burnt in the past with, uh, you know, connections with other believers and Christians. Uh, I just want to do this uh, spiritual thing by myself. I want to climb the, 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 the spiritual uh, summit, you know, by myself. And, and the reality is uh, we need a spiritual family. And I'm going to say to you, we need spiritual parents in order to be able to live out our spiritual journey of development towards Christ-likeness. And I know maybe if you have been a Christian for a while, particularly in the West, and if you're an evangelical type of Christian, you might say, oh, this whole thing of spiritual parents, that's hocus pocus. Jesus told us not to call anyone teacher, not to call anyone a spiritual uh, parent, and that's our understanding of it, which eliminates our connection with people who are more mature in the faith, whom we admire their example and want to imitate their way. And the truth is, this is half truth. The reality is Paul himself wrote to the Thessalonians in his first epistle, chapter 2, and he uh, compares himself to a nursing mother and to a father. Look at what he says. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, not only teaching, but our lives. That's the proximity and practicality of living together for Jesus. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we we were among you who believed. He modeled a life of holiness and righteousness in their presence. It says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and glory. Have you noticed here that Paul compares himself to a spiritual parent and really says that that care, that that relationship between a parent and the spiritual children is very advantageous for the development. It's encouraging them. It's stimulating them. It's urging them to live that life that God calls us to live, Christ-like life. So I would like to say over and over again, Paul says to the churches that I was a father to you. You may have many teachers, but I was your father. I brought you to faith uh, as a father would bring uh, birth to children. Not only that, but in Galatians chapter 4, he says that I am like a mother who's laboring in birth pangs until Christ is formed in you. His parenthood metaphor extends beyond the conversion 
and stays and is sustained until they are made more like Christ. And that is the life of sanctification, the life of holiness that we're talking about. I don't know your background, but I can assure you, biblically speaking, we all need spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers that we look up to, that care for us, that encourage and challenge us, that people that we say to them that we imitate them because they imitate Christ. That's what Paul said uh, to, to the Corinthians, imitate me just like I imitate Christ. And Paul did that practically with even smaller number of people. He didn't even he did it even with one-on-one. And you probably are familiar with Timothy and his relationship with Paul. He met Paul in Paul's second missionary trip and he became an apprentice of Paul, like a travel companion if you like. And Paul calls him in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3 says Timothy, my son in the faith, my true son or my legitimate son in the faith. They had this father-child relationship. And Timothy, as a result of this discipling journey with Paul, he embraced Paul's teaching and emulated Paul's example. Paul would say to him, you've observed the way I taught, my pattern of life, as well as my teaching, and you imitated them. And Paul wanted him to live out and perpetuate that cycle. So in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, what you've heard from me, what you've been taught from me, from me, deposit that to others, faithful and able to teach others also, so we can have multiplication of people that love on others, teach others, develop others so that when Christ comes again, there is generations and generations of true faithful followers of Jesus who live like Him on the earth. Uh, And Paul, after leaving Ephesus, he predicted that there will be false teachers like wolves that come and try to manipulate and disturb uh, the faith of many. And uh, we estimate that as Paul went back to Ephesus around 60-61 AD, uh, he recognized that his prediction came to fruition. So there he left Timothy in Ephesus to lead the people and to confront false teachers as well as to develop the believers so that they they live a godly life. And to lead them to run away from false teaching that leads to fake living and to live a Christ-like life. And he gives him the role of the discipler in a very amazing passage that I want to share with you. But before sharing with you the passage, I want to give you the three things that a spiritual discipler or a spiritual parent will help you in your journey. First, they will tell you who you are now and who you are becoming in Christ, they will reflect your possibility. It's like a lemon seed that will look at a lemon tree and will say, that's my future. And they will be a mirror that reveals to you what God has created you to be and how God intends for you 
to function as his child. Secondly, they will help you with a teaching pattern that is progressive. It's almost like a tour guide that has been there and helping you understand the big landmarks so that you are not stumbling over yourself. You understand where you're heading and why you're getting there and how to support you with biblical truth that will enable you to live the life that Jesus deposited on the inside of you. And finally, they will partner with you. They will support you. They will challenge you. They will pat you on the back. They will stand and correct you and rebuke you when it needs to be out of a heart that loves and cares and cherishes you. There is a need for our churches to ignore this lone ranger Christianity and go back to a family-oriented type of growth where we need one another in the family and we need people who have gone before us and to imitate their example. So here is what Paul instructed Timothy to do and that is what we will receive as we experience leaders parents, spiritual disciples that engage with us in our life. So the, the parents embodies the possibility. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, he says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. The first thing that Paul instructs a spiritual parent, a discipler to be, is to be an example. Is to show forth what it's like to live like Jesus. And in our book, uh, the Gen J book that you may be aware of, it speaks about the, uh, the incredible uh, impact of somebody that reveals to us our identity. I, I would... Uh, I would highly recommend to you to investigate the, uh, the idea of the mirror neuron in your identity center. You could even research that online. We figure out who we are when we see ourselves in someone else. When we see what it's like to be Jesus-like disciple because I see someone else living who is Jesus-like disciple. Uh, uh, children recognize what adulthood looks like when they view their parents' attitudes, behaviors, interactions. They mimic their words. They mimic their uh, walk. In fact, they adopt some of their values and standards of behavior and they look like their family unit as they grow up. And you see, our uh, spiritual parents model for us what it's like to live like Jesus in speech and in conduct means in all of life. And that would show in, in, in our uh, understanding of love to God and to others, in faith, in our trust in God, in our faithfulness in the inner being, and in purity, in the way we live with a godly conscience, a circumspect life. They reveal to us our potentiality in an embodied form. So we get to know who we really are. The second thing they do is they teach a progressive pattern. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. 
Do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Paul is instructing Timothy to do three things in terms of teaching a spiritual pattern, which is really, he told him over and over again, to hold, uh, to be a guard to the pattern of sound teaching that Paul had delivered to him. And here he's saying, I want you to, 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 to read the scripture publicly. I want you to preach and I want you to teach. So what does that mean? Uh, reading the scripture publicly was a custom that was uh, relevant to the synagogue worship in the Jewish uh, environments where someone would read the scripture loudly for people to hear it. And that very uh, idea of reading the scripture loudly uh, referred to um, answering the question, the existential question, who am I? It was meant to reveal to people their identity. And I reckon that is so beautiful and it matches what James chapter 1 says about the Word of God being a mirror. Reveals who we are really, isn't it? A window reveals who someone else is. A mirror reveals who we are in Christ. So they read the scripture publicly to reveal to them what God sees believers to be, His followers to be. But then the Preaching was a, a, an exhortation, if you like. It was an application of the, the words that were spoken or read out uh, to the audience. So he was trying to tell them, this is how you behave. This is Christ-like doing. This is Christ-like action. If you're a Christ-like in your being, this is the implication of that in your day-to-day endeavor. Uh, about the teaching is basically the doctrine, obviously based on the Word of God. The doctrine would be how they think, Christ-like thinking. So the reading of the scripture explained their Christ-like being, who they are. The preaching described their Christ-like behavior. And the doctrine described their Christ-like thinking, understanding God for who He is. And it should be progressive. Uh, Timothy knows that, that he can't just teach everyone the same thing. People develop gradually in their lives from being infants to being young people to being spiritual parents. And, and a parent would recognize that uh, we have three children who are about three, three and a half years apart and we don't deal with them exactly the same way. And a parent needs to tailor make their instruction, their support, their, their coaching and their care to the needs of their children. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul speaks of two different types of people. Those people who are infants, who need milk, not solid food, and those people who are more mature. The same concept comes in Hebrews chapter 5, where uh, the writer of Hebrews speaks of those people who are young, who needs the elementary teaching, and is inviting his people to grow towards maturity, where they need different ways of teaching, different ways of instruction, tailor-made 
instruction, a pattern of living. Milk is about the elementary teaching of the, of, of the ways of God. Uh, the solid food is about the advanced teaching of the mature. And in our uh, book, as I mentioned before, this is a way of, uh, of sharing with you if you want a little bit more elaborate understanding of the discipleship pattern or discipling pattern. We talk of three stages that my dad back in the day helped me understand my spiritual reality based on three stages of development, like human development, like plant development. First is the initial stage of spiritual child, where we are totally dependent, where we're faced with uh, 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 our own uh, uh, need for others to support us, to nurture us. We have lots of doubts as soon as we become Christians, we need someone to uh, enable us to decipher what is from God and what's from the enemy. We need we need people around us like a child needs a family. We need care. We, we, we need so much instruction, direct instruction. So there are spiritual children in the faith that need attention, high level of attention. Then there is the young people, the imitators. In fact, the Paul says uh, about Timothy that he's young in the scripture, young, anybody less than 40 years of age, that's big young. But it's anyone in a transition between dependence and interdependence, uh, between being uh, in need and offering support to others. So in that period, we're a little bit independent. We think we know it all. You know, we want to live our own way. We have our own ambitions and we imitate people, all types of different people that represent to us the ideal humanity or the ideal adulthood. You know, that's why people, you know, do silly things, imitating adults and and doing stuff that harms them uh, because that's the type of adults they want to become. But then there is the third stage, that spiritual parenthood, people who reproduce and are responsible for others, people that live selflessly in the world. And if you have a parent and you've been a parent, not all of the sudden you don't become a parent anymore. Your parent becomes on a different level, a partner with you, even in your own parenting style. So here we need parents to assist us to learn the pattern of how to live, not just to observe them, but coach us into how to live like Christ in the various levels and different stages of development. The third thing that Paul asked Timothy to do as a disciple or as a spiritual parent is to engage with others in authentic partnership. He says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save yourselves and your hearers. Paul is saying, I want you to develop spiritually, not just for your own self-gratification or a sense of, you know, that you're, you know, you're developing and you're encouraged by that. No, no, it's for the sake of others. So they see because you're always in partnership with others. And if you watch your life and your doctrine, guess what? It's going to impact you and others because we're always in a spiritual partnership. You need to engage with others. And he tells them how to relate to other believers using family terms. It says, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, 
older women as mothers and young women as sisters with absolute purity. Paul is saying, adopt this environment of partnership like a family partnership, where you care for people like they are your siblings, like they are your parents. But have you noticed that partnership is not just care like family members will care for one another, but it says rebuking and exhorting. Like don't rebuke them harshly, but still he doesn't say don't rebuke. In fact, in other, word, in other passages, he says to Timothy and Titus, rebuke with all authority. And he says exhort, that means, uh, you know, help people apply, help them to live the right way based on the Word of God. It's similar to this concept of preaching and helping people apply God's Word based on, on their behavior. You see, here he's asking uh, Timothy to support as as well as challenge and, and provoke and stimulate believers so they could live the God-given life. And we all need people like that in our world. I am sad to say that in many areas of my ministry, the only people that are willing to have a spiritual uh, guide and a spiritual parent and a spiritual person to invest in them seems to be the young people because they haven't grown a big head yet. But with many adult Christians who are still needing support and development and need to mature and be reproducing and responsible, they don't want the spiritual but How are you better than me? How is this person better than me? I can understand more than them. I can research Google. But you can't research Google to develop a tailor-made way of living your own uniqueness as a child of God. You need somebody to remind you who you are. They are, they are your possibilities, showing you what you're capable of being. They developing you like giving you a tool map to enable you to progress through various stages. If you don't know the end, you need landmarks to help you develop and live out that calling and identity that God has invested in you. And they want to partner with you proximity, life on life, not just the teaching in a group, but actually texting and calling and asking and, and advising and provoking ideas and, and supporting and, and forgiving and encouraging and, and urging. They do life together with you. And I believe this is a huge factor that we miss out on a life of Christ-like holiness because we miss out on this. Believers can pursue a life of holiness as they engage in a discipling journey with a spiritual family, including parents. We pursue Christ's likeness as we embrace our possibility, learn a progressive pattern, and engage in authentic partnership. It is our heart's desire to encourage you to go the distance with someone that you trust who lives like Jesus in the world, warts and all. Thank you so much for being with us. Look forward to being with you next time. Until then, God bless. 